if you have your Bible, I want you to turn to Acts chapter 14 with me, and I'll give you a little announcement. Um, starting this afternoon, for the next few days, uh, Pastor Omar is spending some much-needed time with uh, his family. And so I need you to make a commitment with me today that uh, if you have an encouraging thing to tell Pastor Omar after about 12, 15 today, that you will take out a piece of paper, write it down, and send it to him in the mail so that you will allow him to love on his family the same way he loves on you guys. If you have a question or you need help, we're, we're all here together. But I will tell you, the most difficult thing for a minister, for a pastor, is to pay attention to his personal family because a minister and a pastor sees the whole church as his family. And so we have to be, as the church, guardians of the Garcia family this week so that they can spend some much needed time with their husband and dad and as together as a family. So be praying for them this week. Um, put your phone, every time you have that itch to, to send something or ask a question, just write it down. Let me tell you what the enemy's gonna do. Anyone ever start praying? And when you start praying is when you remember all the things you forgot to do. At 12.17 today, you're going to think of all the reasons you need to reach out to Pastor Omar. It's going to happen. Just write it down. Love on him. That's the best thing you can do uh, this week for him. I've asked him to shut his phone off. Um, I, I, I can't make him do that, but I'm going to slip Vicki a 20 and see if she'll help him do that this week. Okay? Um, Acts chapter 14, I really thought we were done with uh, Paul's first missionary journey. I'll be honest with you, last week I was ready to wrap up and head to the council in Jerusalem as we prepared through that. Um, I was just reading and praying as the week came on and realized that the Lord wasn't done with Paul's missionary journey yet because there was, there was some information in here that I couldn't stop tripping over. And even as I read into to chapter 15 and praying for the sermon, I kept tripping over this same thing. And it, and it starts back here in chapter 14. So I want to read it to you. Chapter 14, verse 19 through 28. That's what we're going to read today. And we're just going to walk through Scripture um, looking at something I don't know that we look at often enough as we roll through things today. This is what the Bible says. Uh, but Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, having persuaded the crowds, and they stoned Paul and dragged him out to the city. And supposing he was dead, but the disciples gathered about him. He rose up, entered the city, and on the next day he went out uh, with Barnabas to Derbe. And when they had preached the gospel in the city, they made many disciples. They returned to Lystra and Iconium and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them, encouraging them to continue in the faith, saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed themselves to the Lord in whom they believed. Verse 24, and they passed through Pisidia, Pisidia and came to Pamphylia. And when they'd spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Attilia. And from there they sailed to Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work they had been fulfilled. And when they arrived, they gathered the church together, declared that God, all that God had done with them, and how he'd opened a door of faith to the Gentiles, and he remained no little time with the disciples. Now, I was reading through that, and that just sounded like a transition story. If I'm being very honest with you, it, it, it sounded, the first few times I read it, like God was just wrapping it up 
and all the good work had been done and all the the next leg of the good work was about to happen here in verse in chapter 15 and and as I was going through I just started stumbling over something pretty amazing if you have your Bible go back with me to verse 23 chapter 14 it says and when they had appointed elders for them in every church with fair and prasting they they committed themselves uh, to do the Lord in whom they have believed and then in verse 26 it says from there they sailed to Antioch where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work they had fulfilled and when they arrived they gathered together declared what God had done and opened the door of faith it was a big party and and the word commended and commended they, they'll overlap a little bit it means that they were handed over what what the reality the picture I came to see was that Paul and the church in Antioch couldn't celebrate until Paul had done what was done to him. You see, we find ourselves back in Acts chapter 11, verse 30, that the elders of the church commended Paul and Barnabas. They turned them over to God to do what God would have them do on this mission journey. Before Paul came back, he had to turn other people over in the churches where he had been and created through the work of the Holy Spirit before he could come back and celebrate. See, there was no celebration until the assignment was fulfilled. It doesn't say the mission was completed in, in verse 26 and 27. It says that he'd fulfilled the work. There's a difference between fulfilling your work and completing a mission, right? When we go on a mission and come back, we, we rest. We're done. But Paul didn't say, hey guys, I'm done. I did it all. When he came back and he said, we have fulfilled what was given to us. We had laid it out. One says, I'm done. The other says, next, please. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever considered that? I remember picking up pine cones after, oh, I think it was uh, Hurricane Alicia back in the day in Alabama. My aunt had about 20 acres of pine trees. And after this thing blew through, every pine cone in the world was on her property. And for a penny of pine cone, we could pick them up. We were young. I know inflation, they're like 75 cents now. It's a different world. But back then, a penny was a big deal. And, and I remember when you filled up a bag, it wasn't, I'm done. It was, next please. Right? I, I fulfilled this part. Now I'm going to move on to what's next. I want to move on to what's coming. So, so what was so important that Paul had experienced in Antioch that he knew his mission wouldn't be fulfilled until it was done? Well, in verse 23, it says it pretty clearly. It says, And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with praying and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Now, now, the word elders here is packed with meaning. It, 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 it almost regularly, every time when you see it in the Bible, will point to leadership. But it always, it always means older. Almost all the time, most of the time, it points to leadership. But always it means older. You see... Paul knew that it was people who were older than him, most likely, but also 
older in their faith that needed to lead, that pointed him, and he wasn't going to see a church strengthened and established if older people who had been handed over to the Lord weren't keeping watch, weren't caring for what was done. You might say, well, what was, what was older, David? What do, you, what do you mean by that? Well, I just did some, some research, and it's kind of a fluid number, right? Age is a fluid number. I'm not sure how that works, but it is. But, but in the time of Paul, if you were 15 years old, you had a 34% chance to live to see 55 I want you to process that for a minute. If you were 15 during the time of Paul, you had a 34% chance to see 55. You had a 26% chance to see 60. All right? So, so by those definitions, if you make it to 55, you're one of the older men or women. Wouldn't you agree? If only 34% of our population was over the age 55, we would know that's older. We will be certain of it. But, but the closer you get to 55, you will be saying, well, maybe you're getting older. It's coming close. You got, you know, a few days left. Who knows? Dante would say about the same time that the old age began at 45 as he mused with some others. If you want to know what the UN says today, definitively, it's 60 but I only tell you all of that to let you know that the older I get, older seems further away. Anyone else have that problem? Amen. When I, when I was 16, 40 was ancient. So old. At 40, at 40, 40, 45, 40 is young. 40 is not bad. You know, it seems like the older, I feel like 95 is still old. Not sure yet. My granddad would be like 106 this year if he were still with us. But 70 doesn't feel old to me anymore. But I'm learning the older I get, older seems whatever a few years beyond where I am is. And, and, and here's why I paint this picture for you. Because I don't think we can move on past this because God has a message for the church. See, our culture and our, our country, our society has began embracing wholeheartedly, including the church, some things that have made kingdoms fall quickly through generations. Sideline the older. If you want to see kingdoms fall quickly through generations, let's start up new groups made of just young people. Let's start churches that all look like me or younger, because then I'm always the elder. I have seniority. Let's, let's just marginalize our, our seniors. And I'm not even talking seniors. Let's just marginalize the people that are older. If we want to see something fall, King David, through God, established an amazing kingdom. Solomon expanded that. He, he established this wealthy, wise kingdom. His son came along, Rehoboam. And one of the older guys said, hey, listen, your dad ran people pretty hard. If you'll just ease up on them a little bit, they will love you and follow you. And Rehoboam said, that's a good word. Let me, let me check with some wise people I know. He turned to all of his young buddies. And they were like, Psh, 
old guy doesn't know what he's talking about. So, so you need to work them twice as hard. You know who else tried that same strategy in Scripture? Pharaoh with the Jews, with Israel, right? Guess what happened to Rehoboam? Quick-lived kingdom. You see, when we marginalize the elders, the older, when we push people aside, then we are setting ourselves up for a short-lived wick. And our, our country, you know, I, I don't know. Gen Xers were, were kind of the, the bad stepchild. That's ish my generation for a long time. Then the millennials came along, and we were happy to kick. Someone else was getting kicked other than us, so we just joined in. But have you ever heard this saying, okay, boomer? Okay, they're not Oklahoma fans. I just want to let y'all know. See, a boomer is someone today who's roughly 57 to 75 years old. What okay boomer means is, all right, old man, old woman, step aside. Whatever you say, just keep talking. Why don't you just step aside, go do your thing, and let some young people with our sharp minds and our quick abilities take over and step in. Your time has passed. Okay, boomer, you don't like me. That's all right. We'll just belittle you and marginalize you and push you aside. Now, let me tell you the, the other part of that. This is pretty interesting. If you're 55 or plus, you're already dreaming of the good life the day that you retire the day that when you can step out of the race the day when you don't have to work so hard the day when you can live for yourself and say you know what i have earned rv paradise let me tell you one may be detrimental and negative in the way that it's framed the other view may be with a fantastical view but i'm telling you they're the same message when you get older Remove yourself from the equation. When you get older, step aside. I mean, we don't like the people who are inconsiderate when they say, step aside, okay, boomer. If they just wait long enough, we've created a society in, Samara, in America that can't wait to step aside. Because we've misunderstood what elder begins with older as we walk through this there's some things i want you to know one i am not anti-retirement retirement is a scriptural thing but only one place in scripture everybody's like i, I didn't know we were having a this is retirement planning by the word Numbers chapter 8, verse 24, 25. The Lord spoke this in verse 23. It says that. Verse 24, this applies to the Levites. This is the only place I can find retirement in Scripture. Uh, this applies to the Levites. 25 years old and upward, they'll come to duty in the service of the tent of meeting. Right? So, so we know that you can start working in the, in the tent at 25. And verse 50, at the age of 50, you'll withdraw from the duty and serve no more. Retirement. Verse 26, they, those who have withdrawn, minister to the brothers at the tent of meeting by keeping guard. They don't, they don't serve in the way that they used to serve. They're retired from that. So their role 
is to care for, to guide, to give wisdom, and to minister to those who are doing the hard work of physical labor or serving the tent, whatever God would have for them. Church, retirement is about being a living investment, not about living on your investment. And I just felt the offering plate get light today. <laughs> because we haven't taught that in this country. We haven't taught that in churches. We couldn't wait to retire because then every day is Sabbath. <laughs> I'm getting ready for heaven. Listen, if you're packing away so that you can live off your investment, if that's the point, you've missed the boat. You're taking yourself out of the equation that God created. Retirement is about being a living investment. My greatest dream one day is to not be a financial burden on the church and the young man who week after week stands up here and does with all the things of the church, all the things that, that, that wear you out through the week, that I will have the ability to be a living investment into his life and his family's life and to cheer him on and be the, the best small group leader I can be and do all the things and not worry what he says because I'm not taking a paycheck, I'm here for the Lord. What are your dreams? If you're a young person, younger person, what are you dreaming about for tomorrow? Are you living for a fictitious eternity supplement called retirement? Or are you living for eternity? If you're an elder, do you know the church, Paul wouldn't let the church celebrate and that the church had solid elders, older people mature in their faith, investing into the church. I mean, we can see elders at every length of society throughout of history coming in. It's woven into the non-Israel passages. In Genesis chapter 50, verse 7, there were elders in Egypt. In Numbers chapter 22, verse 7, Moab and Midian, they had elders in it. We see it in Israel's story, in Exodus and in Ezra. If you look through the story of God's people, elders were, were not just like five people that stayed at the church all the night, all the time and dressed in robe. There were elders of the city, elders of the country. There were house elders. Hey, mom and dad, how many elders live in your house? I mean, you're probably, if you have kids older than you, that's a different kind of adoption. That's all right. But it's probably you. Through all of these things, the job of the elder wasn't to be a judge. Like judges were different. The job of the elders were to know the word of the Lord and when things came up that challenged that, whether they were grievances or clarifications, were just to lead people to the clear things that God had made plain before everybody. The elder wasn't supposed to be the judge. Their role was to point people to the clear things of God. And they would make decisions based on that. When did it come apart? When did it fall apart? Well, we might look at it, we might say, in the time of Christ, when the elders of the city would start to challenge him, or the elders of the, the priests would start to challenge him, not about the clear things of God, but about their, their things that they had created. But church, 
I want you to understand if you are older, Scripture talks to you. In Leviticus chapter 19, verse 32, the Bible says it this way, you'll stand up before the gray hair and honor the face of the old man. Why? Because you shall fear the Lord your God. That's basically because I said so. We, we can go back and we can look at, at the, the responsibility for being an elder. If you, if you live to be older, Ezekiel gives some pretty amazing stuff. In chapter 7, verse 26, disaster comes upon disaster, rumor follows rumor. They seek a vision from a prophet while the law perishes from the priest and the council of the elders. When the older responsible people who claim the banner of the almighty God seek the Lord and forsake his word they have nothing they have no, there's no there's no direction there's no guidance it's just disaster on disaster on disaster old age is an honor and a responsibility church Paul wouldn't let the church that sent him say well done mission accomplished task fulfilled until he knew that there were older people in the church guarding the general welfare of the flock you thought about that I mean, that, that's the basic understanding of the word elder is older men and we see this term elder uh, the same we, we, it'll be translated older in most of our Bibles but we'll see it next to one, women as well they were older men who were responsible for the general welfare of the church different than the judge different than the passing sentences they were responsible for the welfare of the church let me ask you today if you are older i know i was going to have a trouble today if you are older and you can determine for all the data i gave you what older is who are you are you living as an old guy says the most does the leaf and get everybody a headache everybody know that old guy right are you living as an old guy says the most does the least and give everybody a headache in the church or are you living as an elder fulfilling your work saying what matters and allowing the bride of christ to celebrate which one are you living if you're if you're not an elder if you're not older are you honoring biblical instruction or are you dismissing the older people because listen just because they raised you and their 12 kids they have no idea what raising a baby is like today amen all the grandmothers right amen like you're all alive and successful how did i become dumb all of a sudden how does that look into it First Timothy 5.17 says that those who are ruling, those elders who rule, and the word rule means leading, leader. So the elders that are leading are worth double honor. It doesn't say if you're older and sitting on your backside and giving everybody a hard time, you're worthy of double honor. That's out of context. If you want honor and respect, 
and he will demand it for you. Come on. Stinking young whippersnappers around somebody. If you're not an elder, are you living to attain what Proverbs 16:31 says? Check this out in our American-driven hair-dying society. Gray hair is a crown of glory, and it is gained by a righteous life. Come on. Are you living that way? If you're younger, are you honoring those who are serving as elders, who are leading in their life? Are you living to be where they are one day. These are, these are challenging things because this is the environment that we find ourselves in. And, and I'm not sure, as I, I've wrestled through this, as Paul would say, this is for me, not the Spirit. So, so follow me on this a little bit, okay? As I look through Scripture, if I look at elders, kind of overseers, what, what I'm seeing is pastor shepherds are elders, but not all elders are pastor shepherds, right? So all are supposed to teach, all pastors are teaching elders, but not every person who is an elder and overseer has to be a teaching person from, from this type of world we've created. Now, this is something I'm wrestling with. I'm not, I'm not ruling into it, but when you, when you look into it, I see elders giving guidance and instruction from A to Z in the Bible but they have different roles than pastor shepherds in different places. And, and why do I say that? Because I think sometimes when we read the word elder in Scripture, we think it's for someone else who's carrying a title on their shoulder. And so we give ourselves a senior skip day on that one. Amen? Right? Just, I'm going to pass on that one. That's for different older people. Church, I want you to know I believe with all that I am that the church of Christ, the Christian church built on the solid rock is one that must have older people leading, guiding, and directing other people to Jesus Christ. So I started to think, what would I want to tell an older person today? And I found a passage that talks about elders. We don't like to talk about this unless it's deacon time, of course, because then we can hold them to a different standard. But Titus chapter 1, verse 5 through 9 says it this way. This is what Paul tells Timothy to look for, Titus to look for in Crete, excuse me. In Titus chapter 1, verse 5, it says, This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained in order to appoint elders in every town as I directed you. If anyone is above reproach, husband of one wife, his children are believers, do not open, not open to charge of debauchery and subordination. For an overseer, as God's steward, must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered, drunkard, violent, greeting for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to a trustworthy word as taught." so that he may be able to give instruction in the sound doctrine and may be able to rebuke those who contradict. Now let me tell you what this means and where this doesn't go. But, but regardless of this being someone who is appointed an elder 
or for all of us who should desire if the Lord calls upon us to live as one that he could use. Do you see how this isn't just for a group? It's for all of us. Here's what it looks like. If you are an elder, are you living with solid biblical integrity? That's what above reproach means. With solid biblical integrity in the area of your family. Are you leading and loving those around you to Jesus Christ? Are you acting in a way that honors God in the same way that you speak when you come to church? Is there integrity in how you lead your family? It goes forward and it says, listen, he must not be open to charges of debauchery and subordination. Are you going to live a life that is above reproach, that is consistent with sound biblical doctrine so that when the people in your community see you, they see a life that's seeking to be aligned with the Almighty God. Are they seeing that? Do you, do you strive to that? Above approach, solid biblical integrity. It says, listen, he must be an overseer, for God's steward must be above reproach. Are you practicing godly stewardship with your time, your talents, and your things? Are you doing that? Are you striving to be more and more in that? It goes beyond that. It says, must not be arrogant, quick-tempered, drunkard, violent, greedy for game, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, all of that. Are you seeking to live solid biblical integrity in self-control? Or you follow a whim? Anybody can test you, tempt you, challenge you, charge you, bet you with anything, and you'll respond in a moment. How are you living? And he says, listen, verse, verse 9, he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give sound instruction and sound doctrine and rebuke those who come to it. I, listen, I, you don't have to be a, a Sunday school teacher, a pastor, small group leader, or whatever to give sound biblical instruction. The primary influencers in your family's life mom and dad are you grandparents the primary voices of wisdom the closest people that your grandchildren that your neighbor's kids have to understanding wisdom from a godly perspective is sitting in your house are you living above reproach and how you use god's word or are you just saying i can worship anywhere golf course tea time church doesn't matter it's all about jesus that's called forsaking the assembly and the gathering of the people. It's not the same. It's not the same. If we're going to ride people for skipping church, we're playing baseball, then we're going to ride ourselves for playing golf. Amen? Come on, that was weak. Church, we cannot be an unbiblical gathering of people. I don't mean that you have to be perfect. But what I mean is you can't buy into what has been sold. That to be older means that your time of influence is extinguishing. No. Before a star goes out, there's a big burst of light. It's powerful and influential. All of our days are numbered. But some of you and us 
God is allowing, God is allowing to remain here instead of be with him in eternity. Why? Why? So that you can have cheap, fake rubber heaven before you get the real thing? I'd gladly, if retirement is living for me, gladly would I skip it to taste precious eternity with Jesus Christ. So there must be something better. God's word speaks of it. Speaks of it. We need those who are older to step up, not step back. The church won't be healthy and we cannot celebrate separated out by age groups. Hmm. My children learned worship from sitting in the front row of this church watching silver and gray-haired people unashamedly worship their Savior. Will you be a living investment? It's my request as your pastor. But Matthew chapter 4, 24 says that there's coming day when the master of the house will return. A day of his coming that we look forward to. Will you be found a faithful servant that he esteems, that is ready for him? Or will you be found squandering the season that he's given you? For whom rebuke awaits? Church, our Lord Jesus is coming back. Stop living for the grave and live for his return. If you don't know Jesus Christ, whether your hair is silver, gray, red, black, or whatever, let me tell you, the master is coming back. And he will be looking for those who are his and following hard after him. The only way to begin that journey is by confessing your failures and your faults and your sin accepting the invitation of Christ to join him at the celebration. That takes nothing from you but complete surrender. Abandon not for a moment before your life and for all eternity. Church, there is so much more in store for you than road trips around a big lake somewhere in America. Father God, thank you for the elders who have shaped my life, for those who spoke wisdom when my temper was quick, for those, Father God, who were encouraging when words had cut deep. Father, I thank you for those who shared sound biblical doctrine when mine was still being developed, God, when my mind couldn't understand your word. Father God, we praise you for those who are symbols of worshiping God sold out to you. Father, we, we thank you for those who spend time on, on hurting broken knees, loving our children, 
and teaching them the body of Christ. So, Father God, I pray that the message of this culture in this world would not be step aside. But, Father, we would say step forward. Lord God, anyone watching today or sitting in this room that draws breath has time to repent of their sin. And taste life eternal through you. The confessing and the submission to Jesus Christ, our high priest, our Lord. So Father, whether bodies in this room are weak and frail and weary and old. Or young and bouncy. The same God numbers our days. So let us be a church that celebrates because you have allowed the old and the young to run hard together.